Welcome to another episode of the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast with your hosts, David and Nick. In this episode, we can't fight that feeling again. Look forward to two more years with Ellis, get infamous with Doctor Doom, and rumble for the last time. For now, stay tuned for all this and more. Welcome, folks, to the Heck Yeah Comics Podcast, which is what this is, and you are the Heck Yeah Comics fans, and I'm David, and that's Nick. Yes, I uh, I am Nick. Thank you for saying so, David. I take being called Nick a compliment. That's that you're so the, the bar is so low for you that being called by your first name is a compliment. When you put it like that, I'm pretty depressed right now. Wonderful. That's, that's, that's a <sighs> But in other news, David, we discovered that you are, in fact, the monarch from the Venture Brothers. Oh, how I wish I was the monarch! Yes, yes. And apparently that makes me Dr. Girlfriend, because my voice, just I just have to make it sound deep and like, like a man, like a woman trying to sound like a man, except actually sound like a man. And suddenly I'm Dr. Girlfriend. Uh, you can't hold it the entire time, but it, it was okay. Shut up. Uh, I, dude, wish, how you I, been? I wish I knew more Monarch lines. I haven't watched Venture Brothers in a long time. I know. That's a show that I feel like I should be completely caught up on and yet has totally fallen away from well, my life. It's like in a weird place because it's on uh, Adult Swim, which I don't, I don't watch Adult Swim, but I like the programming. But it's not on any streaming service anywhere, so there's not like an easy way to get a hold of it. And the DVDs are expensive. It's, mm. it's mm. just you know they don't make it easy mm-hmm. on you. But no, um, they don't. No, they don't. And we certainly do not advocate pirating of any kind. We also kids don't stay in school and don't and do like drugs that you don't know exactly where they came from. Like, if you know, like, the origin of the drugs, I mean, still don't do them. I mean, that's that's the message we're spreading here. Well, you know, David, let's, just, let's just say, if you can't pronounce all the ingredients in the drug, <laughs> I mean, they, they, say, they say, like, when you look at a label, like a food label on a uh-huh. box or whatever, if you can't pronounce half the things, you probably shouldn't be eating. You want the all-natural goodness. So ask, and now, the weather. Ask, ask if this heroin is FDA-approved. Yes, and, yes. And, uh... Does it have the right protein density? Kids, are you getting all your vitamins? Are you getting all your vitamins Who from, cares? from drugs? Crack. <laughs> but the good crack, not the bad crack. This brought to you by the Crack Council of America, <laughs> which we are, of course, sponsors of, sponsored yes. by, sponsored by. We are, yes. Well, this yes, went, our first sponsorship. This from the Crack Council of America. I like that they've, <laughs> I like that they've organized into a council. Yeah. Uh, I also like that we're so far off the rails, just already. Uh, hey, I finished... What drugs do to you, kids? Oh, <laughs> uh, I finished uh, Luke Cage before the show. I've, I've, I'm uh, done. I'm yeah. free. Yeah, you, what'd, you, what'd you think? What'd you think? Uh, it, was, it was fine. It would have been a lot better if it was shorter, like eight, eight to ten episodes. There was mm-hmm. a lot that it could have been a lot tighter, and it would have been good. 
but there's just some definite meandering, especially about episode seven or eight onward. And then, mm-hmm. it, like, the last episode is like, all this stuff happens out of nowhere. It just, yeah, it, it could have been packed tighter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like that is something with the Netflix shows. Like, their mandate was 13 episodes, and then they came up with stories that just didn't need 13 episodes and mm-hmm. had to find a way to fill them. And instead of just doing, interspersing a couple one-off episodes away from the main plot, just to be like, hey, look at Luke Cage fight this Marvel villain. Like, sometimes it's okay to do that villain, you know, monster case of the week kind of thing. Right. But instead, they all have to sort of, even if things are somewhat self-contained in episode, they're more or less always being stretched from the main plot. And I, I feel that way, like, I'm, as much, as even though I enjoy it when I watch it, and maybe... With, like, say, Jessica Jones, maybe I've enjoyed it more because I've gone so long between episodes that when I do pick it up, it feels like I'm not, I don't have the the weight and the momentum of the previous episodes making me feel like I'm watching just another episode of them catching Kilgrave. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe because I'll probably take equally as long to finish Luke Cage. For some reason, somehow I finished Daredevil in a couple of weeks. Huh. Don't know, don't know how that happened. Well, don't know what that says about you, but. Yeah, says says uh, says something about me. But but overall, you're saying Luke Cage was good, not great. Mm-hmm. Needs less padding. Yeah, and uh, and we will. I don't want to go too much into it. Maybe maybe on a future episode, we got some other stuff I want to discuss in this one. But before we get to that, we should definitely get on to the news. Which I'm just going to select a random bumper here. This just in, Beverly Hills 90210, Cleveland Browns 3. All right, we've got a a good amount of Marvel news in the lineup tonight, uh, which is not really on purpose. That's just where the news is coming from. Uh, The the first one, I would say one of the biggest stories, is that uh, as of today, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 has released a teaser poster and a teaser trailer. Nick, did you get a chance to, to watch it before the show? I both perused the poster and I, in fact, watched the teaser trailer. And it was a tease. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me turn this down. I like Guardians of the Galaxy 1, so I'm anticipating Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I wouldn't say that I'm in love with it. But, I mean, I think with the first movie, I think... The superhero franchise stuff like this that i mean the first movie was good so it's like by the same time like it feels like it, it has to set up a lot of things on the table and the the second movie when done really well will usually tries to do really interesting things with those pieces because now that we're familiar with they can expand them on a bit and tell a really interesting story i expect as much from guardians of the galaxy 2 the teaser was kind of just a lot of jokes a kind of a lot of referential humor you know especially it definitely is playing on the spirit of the first one um, which is fine because it did obviously very well. Um, other than like, it, I felt like it did a good job of not really hinting at any real plot. Like you see a lot, you see basically all characters that we saw in the first one. Everyone's a little bit er- older, a little well, bit weary. Plus, plus we saw Mantis briefly. Did we? I totally. Yeah. There's, there's a point totally... where she's, she gets like, uh, she's like on her knees and they pull a hood off and it's Mantis under there. It's, it's very quick. Uh... Oh, I must have. I mean, I may have noticed that. I may have, oh, I think I thought that was Nebula for a second. I thought she looked blue, but maybe I did. I did think it looked a little strange for Nebula. Mantis, Mantis uh, is also blue. They kind of have a Mantis very was pink in this. 
maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong then, but no, I definitely I'll look at the, the the teaser again. But I mean, cool. It's it's good to see something. You know, it's been right been a while since the the first one uh, and knowing that this one's coming next year i mean i i just i imagine it'll be a very enjoyable film even if i'm obviously not a fan of like man child star lord maybe he's matured slightly between the two films so Mm -hmm. i doubt it um but i'll be interested to see how they delve into his heritage and and things like that yeah we you know we got uh, like you said there was a few jokes um this is i mean of course a teaser so there's not much here there's some very interesting visuals uh, showing that it looks like, you know, there we're we're probably gonna get, you know, the first one was was also very visually pleasing, but this one it seems like they're really gonna kind of go for some some bigger images and more striking images. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely, like you said, I am also excited, uh, and maybe and maybe it's just because of the timing of this, because earlier this week, uh, Rockstar Games. Uh, announced Red Dead Redemption 2, which was a game that I picked up for the first Red Dead Redemption. I picked up on a whim and ended up loving it. Uh, and, and so it was a complete surprise for me. And so when the second one was announced, I got, you know, I got very excited. And not to say that this isn't an exciting announcement. Maybe it's just because, you know, we, we're, we're getting close to three Marvel movies a year. Uh, I, I just don't really feel that that childlike joy for for superhero movies anymore as I do for a game that came out like six or seven years ago at this Mm -hmm. point that was very um, very big for me at the time Uh, so yeah I I think it's it's probably just because like cool Doctor Strange in a couple months and then a few months after that couple months Doctor Strange in a couple weeks yeah it's a few weeks and then shortly after that, I don't even remember what the next superhero movie is. But I mean, next year we've got Wonder Woman, we got Justice League, we've got uh, we've got Guardians of the Galaxy, we've got the Spider Man film. It's all oh, yeah. it's all just it's all coming. Uh, let me yeah. s- oh, and uh, D- uh, Thor Ragnarok comes out. That's true. Comes out next yep. year as well. I think. I mean, as two people that have been reading superhero comics for quite a long time, you know, I mean, obviously we're only in our late twenties, but. Um, I mean, still we've been reading them since we were in like middle school, if not a little bit earlier for, for one of us. Um, and you know, we've, we've been in a, in a sense, we've been there, done that. So as much as we're clearly passionate enough to continue doing a, a heck yeah comics, cause we love comics show, I think it's, it's okay that, you know, the superhero genre is obviously very saturated at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, some might argue oversaturated. I would say, as for a genre that I love, I mean, the fact that it's still in the public eye, that in, in many ways the public still is enjoying superhero films, and I really don't think... And I think because... And I think Marvel's very conscious of this. You know, D- DC, I think, is also conscious of this, that just because they're featuring superheroes or at the very least people in colorful costumes, that you can diversify the genre, you can mix the genre. So, they're all, so you know, as much as Guardians of the Galaxy might be a superhero film it's at the same time a space drama or a space comedy. Right, right. And, and changing it up definitely is good. It does it does make it more interesting. But maybe it's just the fact that I know, uh, you know, that, that twice a year I'm going to be getting, and more, and more now, soon it's going to be four times to six times a year I'm going to be getting superhero movies. And it's it doesn't make them, it doesn't make me anticipate them any less and enjoy them any less. Mm-hmm. But I just don't think I, ha- I don't have that excitement for them. Well, and we all, all like first it's excitement is a really interesting thing because 
first off, like both Marvel and DC announced like their five year plan. So we know mm-hmm. beyond a reasonable doubt, the, all the movies that between the two of them, if we're just specifically talking about like the big two um, that are coming out in the next five years. So it's like, and after watching Guardians of the Galaxy and knowing that it did well, we knew that a sequel was a foregone conclusion before they even officially announced it shortly afterwards. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we've known there's a sequel coming out sort of blunts a bit of the excitement because at the end of the day, I don't want to say that there's a certain routine to it now, but well, I already I know I'm going to go see bet. the majority of these movies. Right. You know, so it's like, so for something like Red Dead Redemption, you know, for you, and I would say I've been in this past year getting more and more into video games. I wouldn't say that I'm getting less and less into comics, but obviously you only have so much time in a day and co- and video games can be very time consuming, but there's definitely an excitement where, you know, like say me for obviously like some upcoming final fantasy game. Like these are things that haven't been on present of my mind, but things that maybe in my childhood really excited me. And because there's such a distance between one experience and the next, I think when something that you care about does get announced and it feels like, well, that probably was never going to happen. There's a definitely an elevated level of excitement because there was no expectation there, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, okay, Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is coming out. I already know I'm going to watch it. Cool. Right. Teaser. Move on. And by moving on, unless David has something else he wants to say. No, I'm just letting, I'm just letting you ramble until I could prompt you. Nah, good, 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 good. I prompted myself. Thanks, bro. Um, Marvel. Uh, is actually Cancel Mockingbird with today's issue number eight. Now, this is a book that neither David and I have read. This is very uh, true, but it was it was very critically acclaimed. Uh, it was, yeah, yeah. and I, I think that's great, and I think it's simply a matter of time before Mockingbird gets another book that gets canceled in eight issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, like I said, a critically acclaimed book, it's always sad when it goes. Uh, I mean, Marvel has been, and I'm going to, compliment i was reading some criticisms today about people that haven't been as big a fan of the all new all different marvel direction and now marvel marvel now 2.0 and that marvel is throwing out a lot of i wouldn't say throwing out i'm sure that on their end they're be trying to be meticulous about it or or, or or methodical about it or whatever um but they're throwing out a lot of books for some not a-list characters and giving them a moment to shine and for me it maybe it's a strain on uh, from a business standpoint i think some of the criticisms are from some uh, comic book businesses where Marvel will tie certain incentives to like order a lot of this one book bec- um, so that you can get certain variants either for that book or for another book, like another more important book, like say Civil War II. So a lot of times they might end up with more copies of a book that simply isn't going to perform well and its numbers are a bit inflated at least from when when comic book buyers, sorry, comic book stores purchase it from the from Diamond uh, distributors that um, you know, there's some there's some level of animosity there, but from a, a creative standpoint, I want to say that I respect Marvel for trying to give some lesser known characters a boost, whether or not they have some TV or movie role coming up that prompts it. Uh, right, it's still right. cool. This this was this was probably definitely tied to the fact that the character was featured pretty prominently on Agents of Shield, and then was Absolutely was was supposed to be getting her own spinoff with uh, you know another character getting Marvel's most wanted. But that not getting picked up probably didn't help this book. You know, there was no kind of buzz around the character from that. Uh, and, and the first volume of Mockingbird also came out today, so Marvel didn't even wait to see how that would perform. Um, there, there was uh, from the book's writer. Uh, there was, you know, her her call on Twitter. I thought was very interesting, um, where you know she was encouraging people to buy Mockingbird number eight. And to send a message to Marvel, there's room in comics for her, for superhero stories about grown-up women. 
uh, and then just sort of one along the similar lines, but we need to make sure that Marvel makes room for more titles by women about women kicking ass, uh, which is, I'm totally on board with that. That is uh, a, a great message. And I don't think Marvel's going to be deterred from, from that sort of thing. It's just they kind of need one. I think that's going to be a breakout success that they haven't had yet. Uh, you know, we, we just got the numbers in for, uh, what month are we in now? So for September, where we saw that DC had come out on top yet again for the third month in a row, uh, which is a place that Marvel held for a long time now, and people are starting to really feel fatigue, especially event fatigue, you know, Civil War II, getting consistent delays and having every single book tie in. I've had books that I, I, you know, some Marvel books that I was picking up that I have not picked up any of the Civil War II stuff. And, you know, there, there's a one or two books that I was on the edge about that I'm like, I, I was considering dropping. And when it was like, well, I'm not going to read the Civil War II things. I don't care about Civil War II. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm done with this book. You know, that's not, it's not what I'm into at this time. Uh, so I think they kind of need to, Mar Marvel kind of needs to reassess some things, but that's kind of in the greater narrative. Um, one thing I just want to say that I do agree with Chelsea Kane that we, we need more uh, books written by more superhero books about women written by women. And, and hopefully those don't go away. I think I you're right as well that we need a critical and financial success book with grown up woman. Cause right now both, I think more in digital sales than maybe brick and mortar stores. But even there, I, I suppose the Miss Marvel book has been lighting up charts, you know, right. from been a very, very right. breakout that, successful character. And I don't that one has think she's going anywhere well. soon. No, but obviously she's also a teenage character, which is all well and good. Uh, I had, um, uh, an Islamic uh, coworker when I worked uh, for Brookstone. And when I introduced her to Miss Marvel, she was just ecstatic. So, um, I mean, this is a character that definitely for people of the same age and, and again, older, cause I, I think Miss Marvel is a cool character. You know, people have really responded to this character. Whereas I would say critically, while she definitely has her fans as far as a financial success, Marvel's really struggled, really wants her to be successful, but has really struggled with making her sort of the it sort of the wonder woman of Marvel. And by that, I mean, Captain Marvel, mm -hmm. um, you know, Carol Danvers, has really, I think, had a hard time critic. You know, I guess I can't say critically for sure. I know that there, she's definitely had proponents for, as most characters tend to do with any series that they end up having, end up has we're big fans. But um, I feel like there's something about Captain Marvel that I think she has the potential to be that it character, but like people just aren't responding to her mm -hmm. in the way that I think Marvel would like, and they're going to keep trying, and it might be a different story. You know, I think that coming out of Civil War II, I know her profile is even bigger, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that her book will be successful. I don't, I'm not familiar with the writers taking on her book, but, you know, I, I think there'll be already a different creative team by the time the Captain Marvel movie comes out. Mm -hmm. And depending on what changes are made to the character in the Captain Marvel movie, they'll probably, as Marvel has been doing with most of their films, address them in the comic books to hopefully try and build more people. So that's kind of a wait and see thing, but Marvel definitely needs a, a kick-ass adult woman for adult woman readers and re women and, and men of all ages. Right. We, um, yeah. I feel like they haven't quite gone there yet. I think they will at some point. Maybe it'll be Squirrel Girl. Maybe it will be. But see that uh, that's, she's that's like a nineteen-year-old college kid. Yeah, but... I was gonna say that that book and that like and like you said, Miss Marvel has been a very successful book, and it's and it's a very great character. Uh, I certainly enjoy that that book myself, but. 
it's doing a great job of of capturing the teen audience and capturing like the you know the the teen corner that I would say that the, the big two had kind of moved away from for a while because you know comic you had people who had grown up reading comics and now they're grown ups so they want comics for grown ups uh, and it was really smart on Marvel's part to be like well let's get some characters you know that are teenagers again that teenagers can can get into and relate with. And they've done very well uh, in 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 that respect. Uh, do you have any any further thoughts on that before I talk about another female character? I think that Marvel, what they need is is a, an older woman book. We need a star, right? Who's absolutely, like middle age, I late agree. middle age. You know, maybe even geriatric, geriatric, <laughs> geriatric. We need geriatric. Aunt May. We need, Ag- we need Agatha Hart. Barring an Aunt May Herald of Galactus book. Um, which is is a thing. I was gonna happen. I was gonna say that Aunt May goes through the Super Soldier program, but that also works. <laughs> but but I mean, first off, that's a wonderful idea. Um, but definitely, just Aunt May like is around in World War Two as a young woman goes through the Super Soldier program, but now she's like an older woman, but still like super jacked and all that. Yeah, would I'm be awesome. It. So definitely, Marvel. If you want your It Woman, it's gotta be Aunt May. Right. Barring I that, think... maybe Agatha Harkness, the Dead Witch. Uh, mm, I think is also maybe. a breakout uh, a potential. Um, but in the meantime, I guess we'll stick to the younger generation, maybe the younger generation, Davis, David, Davis, Who's, David. Who is Davis? Davis don't re- he's your evil don't, clone. Don't, don't reveal my true name. <laughs> Davis. Uh, um, tell us more about these uh, upcoming X-Men books, including... Yeah, so the big one that was announced today is that Jean Grey is receiving her first ever solo ongoing series uh but she's not alone in that Iceman is also receiving his own ongoing uh solo series the first ever for the character and these are coming out of marvel's uh, resurrection yeah just say I, it like it's supposed to look well resurrection but people need to know that it's spelled r-e-s-u-r-r capital x i-o-n anyway uh, this new dream, yeah. So it, uh, additionally, they also announced that Weapon X uh, has been announced, which that one seems to be a little more of a, a broad spectrum, not focusing on any one character. Uh, anyway, actually, while while we're on the subject, I'm going to go ahead and go to my favorite website we haven't visited in a while. Is Wolverine Still Dead dot com? Let's let's figure out uh, what we're dealing with here. And yes, Wolverine is still dead. That Mary Sue has been dead for 105 weeks. That's uh man. That's a big it's a big amount of time. Anyway, back to back to this book that is currently relevant. Uh the Jean Grey book will feature the younger time-displaced Jean Grey that currently appears in the all-new X-Men title. Uh but the collage that Marvel released announcing this book also features that character uh, as as her original adult self, a character that is currently considered dead. And of course, because this is a Marvel X-Men event, the X-Force is shown no less than three times in the image as well. The Phoenix Force. The Phoenix Force. What did I say? The X-Force? You said the X-Force. Yeah. Also a Marvel X-Men title, Marvel, but yeah. so good. So good. Uh, anyway, yeah, I meant to say the Phoenix Force, uh, which might tie into the larger event of Resurrection. Nick, why can't we have an X-Men event that does not deal with the Phoenix Force or the Weapon X program? 
go with what works, man. You know, that's what I always say. But in this case, I agree. Also, sidebar, I just want to respect Marvel. I'm kind of like a Marvel apologist today, I guess. Um, the fact that whenever it comes to an X-Men event or banner or whatever the case would be, they always find a way to stick that X in there. They Executioner's do. song. Messiah complex. X-Men. The list goes X-Men, right? <laughs> it's right um, there. Not X-People. Um <laughs> Yeah, you yeah. know, just Resurrection is it's a new one, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because it hasn't really been announced if Resurrection is an event book or an event banner like they've done, like with Regenesis, which uh-huh. I don't think about didn't have an X in it. Um, Regenesis, um, and, and they've had other other ones, but um, you know, obviously the fact that both Jean Grey and Iceman are interesting because they have younger doppelganger, doppel or alternate past future whatever selves um, in the present right now alongside, well in Iceman's case alongside older self and Jean Grey his older self is obviously dead again um, and has been for a while I'd be curious to see, I feel like both books, Iceman could probably potentially feature both I think they're going to want to kill two birds with one stone uh, and have it be about both the older and young Iceman, Jean Grey book I imagine will feature young Jean Grey time displaced Jean Grey mm-hmm. that's probably a lot easier way to say it So, but it'll be curious to see coming out of Death of X, coming out of Inhumans versus X-Men exact, and with Resurrection exactly what does it mean for the X-Men because frankly having read Death of X number 2 which I won't really get into on this episode I didn't particularly like it mm-hmm. I think that since, especially since Avengers versus X-Men the X-Men have typically been playing the cronies of the event, the the bad guys, you know, the Iron Mans of the big uh, hero-on-hero conflicts. Um, and obviously there's, like, the movie entanglements and all that. I just, I don't know. I, I don't honestly want to buy too much in a lot of the conspiracies that have come out as far as Marvel's stance on, on X-Men, and especially their promotion of the Inhumans. But, I mean... I'm curious really where both the X-Men slash mutants and Inhumans end up post Inhumans versus X-Men. My big ballpark theory is that they're going to merge them somehow. Mutants are going to become Inhumans. Or that's, that's, I've heard that in a few different places that since uh, they're, gonna, they're just going to take it away from Fox altogether and be like, nope, they were never mutants at all. They are now Inhumans. So, you know, take which that. is interesting if they did do that, if the if mutants just became inhumans, which I don't really know how they'd make work. I mean, they could make it work terribly. You know, someone like, say, Black Nick Fury, who, you know, is not an offensive character in his own right, but had a very, very clumsy yeah. entry into the Marvel Universe with whatever. I'm not going to get into details there. So they could just have a, a terrible merging, but then a few years from now, I'll just be like, well, at least... Maybe, and I don't think this actually would be would impact the movie rights, but now they can make Inhuman movies featuring X-Men characters. I don't think they would. I think there's certain characters that fall under the, the banner of, of what they can play with. Uh, but, you know, this is just Marvel shitting on 50-plus years of comics history over over a rights dispute. That's not proven at all. I'm just, I'm just being a bit of an ass. You're being a bleeding cool? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Uh... <laughs> No, but I think I think these announcements are interesting. It's cool that we're getting some more uh, characters getting solo series. It, it, it does kind of feel like okay, well, who hasn't had their own ongoing? Uh, this X Men and this X Men. Not to say that there can't be some really cool stories told there, mm-hmm. uh, and and you know people 
there are people who absolutely love these characters and are, are probably very excited to get further adventures of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, I mean, that's, that's very neat, but I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm sad for the X-Men. They're in a very yeah. sad place. Don't read, don't read death of X number two. I won't read don't, any when, I totally missed this on my reading. I'll say this. So, the whole Death of X thing is basically the Cyclops sort of instigating a conflict with Inhumans after it's discovered that the Terrigen Mists are deadly to mutants. Um, and in my, from my view, it's just character. I mean, he's already been kind of a wild card in recent years since like Avengers versus X-Men. Uh, he's been a bit unstable. But in this one, I just thought the way he was behaving was just even more radical. Like he's a methodical, like he's a strategist. And he basically... Uh, uses Emma Frost and the Cuckoo Sisters to telepathically reach out to every single person on the planet to let them know, by the way, the Inhumans Mist is killing all mutants and uh, potentially is deadly to humans too, creates a worldwide panic, you know, which for me does not sound like Cyclops at all. And I'm ki- I kind of need to go back and read it now because I was reading some online commentary saying that, because so, in the first issue they show Cyclops collapse, and some people are saying that it looks like Emma Frost, though I would feel bad for her because she's another character I really like, is actually control reanimating with her psychic powers Cyclops' dead corpse and is making him sort of the patsy for this whole thing to get revenge on the Inhumans. Um, I think if this, if this theory does pan out, she's going to become like the Scarlet Witch of the X-Men, um, though I guess Cyclops already kind of did that himself. Um but I'll be curious to see if that... Actually, I'm going to go back and reread the issue now to, to see if that is more noticeable. I'll be very curious if that sort of... Uh, what's the one I'm looking for? Abdicates Cyclops from what he's being blamed for. It'll be very interesting. Mm-hmm. But enough about a book that we're not talking about at the moment. <laughs> All right. Well, in the, in the interest of time, Nick, why don't we just go ahead and get quickly through this last news story before moving on to reviews. So Yeah. Um, last uh, episode, we talked about how Warren Ellis is curating a new line of Wildstorm comics for DC, starting with his own book called The Wild Storm. And Ellis himself has revealed that he's got two years, maybe three, of his Wildstorm, at least of The Wildstorm, planned. Uh, it remains to be seen how much further it goes beyond that. But if we can get three years of a, wild, of a Warren Ellis-dominated Wildstorm, that's pretty cool in my book. That's all I got. Yep. So we know that he is contracted uh, for those two years, for two full years of, of working with, uh, with DC, but he said that he has a notion of where the third would go. So uh, in in the article that this came from, which you can find uh, on, on Newsarama and probably some other places, it was, a, a, I think, a blog written by him. He talks about how he doesn't really return to stuff he's done in the past very often. Uh, he doesn't like to look back. Uh, but mm-hmm. then this popped up, and he said, "Well, let's you know, let's see what happens if I do, and and you know, it'll be cool if 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 he's still enjoying it enough to just continue on." But that is that for the news, and now we have to get to the poll list. So to the Batmobile, let's go. We're gonna hop on over, and Nick is gonna tell us about. Infamous Iron Man number one. By Brian Bendis, Alex Mayleave on art, Matt Hollingsworth on colors, and Clayton Cowles on letters. Mm. Um, so Infamous Iron Man is a book that, come out right and say it, is Doctor Doom 
the uh, arch nemesis of the Fantastic Four most of the time, um, taking on the mantle of Iron Man in a heroic capacity. Uh, this is the kind of book that sort of falls in line with books like Dr. Octopus's Spider-Man and Superior Spider-Man. And though Jim Gordon isn't evil, is along the same sort of crazy ideas that shouldn't work but totally can, like Jim Gordon as Batman. Um, mm-hmm. So what I mean is this book is, or at least should be, right up my alley. And I've always given Ben his credit that as much as I, that he's been hit or miss with me as far as his work, I've always really, really enjoyed him as a person. Um, and I think he's a great idea, man. Sometimes I, I've read certain events that he's done and the ideas behind behind the executions, I think have always been gold. Well, for the most part, I've been gold. Um, but a lot of times I am left cold by the execution. And I should have learned by now when it comes to number ones by Bendis and series in general that uh, it might be a book that I need to consume the majority of it, maybe through Marvel Unlimited. Um, but... I just, I wasn't left wowed by this book. This is a book where you're literally saying, Dr. Doom is Iron Man, and it should be a crazy-ass opening, you know. But at the end of the day, I felt like it was just a bunch of teasing uh, and just not a good use of page real estate that ultimately told you, besides uh, two two character reveals, that really, like, didn't, it was about Dr. Doom, but for a book that's documented as Iron Man, you only get a couple pages of him flying off into the sunset or whatever to go off be to <laughs> Iron Manning, you know. And a lot of this stuff was about the world around, like characters in the world around him uh, that will probably come to impact him later on. But as far as first issues go, I'm obviously not the one in charge of writing, and I can only give my opinion on what I would have liked to have seen or how I would have done it differently, which. I would hate for people to do with my own work, but that's kind of how it always is. So I'm sorry, Pendus. I love you. Um, well, we, we know he listens every week, so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we'll probably, I'll probably see him, us mentioned on his Tumblr one of these days. Um, God, I would love that. It just, it just didn't, it didn't have that spark in the same way that, like, again, I hate also doing comparisons, but, like, reading that first issue of Jim Gore and his Batman or that first issue of, of Dr. Octopus' Spider-Man, I was just kind of left, like, again, a lot of teasing. Just It just didn't feel... It just didn't have a spark, um, and it's like, like it, I guess I basically already said everything that I need to say on it. It's a book that I don't think I'm going to read month to month or biweekly whenever the, the amount of issues come out on it. I'll probably check back in after like the first arc or whatever is on Marvel Unlimited. Um, but I just unfortunately I was left cold. There's a wonderful idea in place here that shouldn't work but can, but. And I don't think that it's not working in this case, but as far as what's been established so far, like he spends seven pages on uh, a, a Fantastic Four villain named Diablo, who's incredibly goofy in a way, but I think he's one of those characters that like someone, if they got their hands on him and had the right spin on, could be a really terrifying and interesting threat. Because he's an alchemist, which is interesting. Yeah, alchemy, if you think of like Full Metal, Elk, show Full Metal Alchemist, can, can be done very well and very dramatic. Um, but he basically wastes seven, in my opinion, seven pages. Uh, well, he does waste seven pages on, in my opinion, it was a waste with Diablo ranting to a captured Mariah Hill who says only one thing in those seven pages right at the very end before on like the third page, Doom walks in and gives a little spiel and then blows Diablo or incinerates him and then frees Mariah Hill. But it just was like, in my opinion, could have been in, in done in less pages and, you know, was 
it might also unfortunately a waste of I think Diablo, but I mean I think if you're enjoying the book, continue along. I'll check back in with you guys in a few issues and we'll see how it's developed. But unfortunately, the opening has left me a bit cold. Well, all right, that is very fair. Uh, as someone who has only read like one or two Iron Man books in my in my day, I'm probably not going to get it on this one. Uh, that's unfortunate that the execution isn't isn't too great because, like you said, there have been a lot of wacky ideas that I, that we have even kind of scoffed at, and then later on been like, "That was amazing." So uh, maybe maybe this book will find its its footing. We can only hope. Yeah, and as far as Iron Man goes, David, I feel like you would really enjoy the Matt Fraction uh, Invincible Iron Man run. I, you should check it out at some point. Is that the one with uh, uh, Greg Land on art? No, that was the one with Karen Gillan, which, despite the Greg Land art, is also very good. Um, but I think you would you might potentially like that one as well. But I think you would definitely enjoy the uh, Matt Fraction run as well with Salvador La Roca. Matt Fraction, Man of Action. Uh, I am I am a Fraction fan. This is very true. I'm also a fan, a big old fan, of John Arcudi and James Heron when they release an issue of Rumble, which Rumble. Ju- just so happened this week. It's a book that I talk about occasionally here on the show, and issue number 15 came out this week. Uh, it is the conclusion of the Immortal Coil storyline, the third arc in uh, in Rumble, uh, I don't, you know, there's been 15 issues. There's a lot of stuff going on. So kind of a simple version is that there is a giant fight going on between Rothrock and some, uh, uh, some unexpected allies, uh, versus the Isu, which are the demons, uh, that kind of live in the shadows now, but used to cause a lot of problems to humans way back in the day. Rothrock killed them, uh, because that was his job. Anyway, so he's fighting a bunch of them with some allies, and then you have uh, the main character, human character of Bobby, and uh, the female, I don't know why I refer to the female, the female lead, is I think is where I'm going with that, uh, Tima, are attempting to help in their own way, but might make things even a little bit worse by kind of tapping into some magic. Anyway, to kind of talk about the story overall... Uh, I think this arc, this third arc, has really benefited from the two that have come before it, that have spent a good amount of time explaining the mythology of the world uh, and and really doing a lot of really good world building. Uh, We get this issue, which is kind of an all-out action issue, a really big fight with some very exciting and interesting twists and turns uh, and, and some very natural expansions of the mythology where we're kind of at the point now uh, where Tima is doing some magic, and uh, they don't need to explain. Okay, well, why does where did Tima get this information from, or like exactly, you know, how is this spell going to work? It's they just kind of let that uh, get explained in the story as things go along, and it, it it just it just feels really good to have a sense of this world and to to not have expo- which exposition obviously is very important when you're building a fantasy world. But we're kind of mm-hmm. moved past that at this point. Uh, there's also a nice deepening of the relationship between Bobby and Tima. Uh, there's some real trust developing between these characters. Uh, and I think a giant credit to this book uh, is that this issue, the ending of this issue, left me with a lot of uncertainty, which is not something that I really get from a lot of stories and 
comics and movies these days. You know, not to say that um, I can uh, I can guess everything. It's just usually you can kind of get a sense uh, of where, where the storyline's going to go, what characters are going to do. And I don't want to spoil this for you, Nick. I don't really care about the listeners. Uh, so I don't want to spoil the exact ending of this book. But it just it's, gets to this point where it's like, I don't know what's going to happen. The storyline that you thought was developing kind of gets crushed in a very big way. Uh, mm. And it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking moment um, for, for the characters. And I would say that a lot of that, the benefit to that goes to James Heron, who has really grown comfortable in this book. Um, you know, having drawn the the character designs, having a very intimate knowledge of them now, and it's really easy for him to show them to us in action in this big battle that's going on. Uh, so we we get a lot of great energy in these panels uh, it, when you know people are swinging swords or or jumping around or. Uh, you know what have you whatever's going on uh there's also a lot of really great expressions shown in the book and i think sometimes james james heron's uh james heron (laughs) james heron's expression work can be a little bit weak uh but i thought that he actually did a really great job of showing a lot of emotion in the bodies like using the the entire body like there's a when a character kind of realizes they've messed up he's just really slumped over and just has this very somber feel to himself uh even like rothrock who doesn't you know they, they can do some stuff with the eyes there's just a couple of of really rough moments for him that uh just it just such a good job of using a scarecrow's body to uh to show emotion um and yeah, there's just some really, really good somber moments in this book uh, where mm-hmm. I feel like this book kind of started off kind of goofy and has really done a great job of um, it, it still has the humor elements well enough, but it's gotten really good at kind of digging into my heart and, and taking root there where I have a, a lot of caring uh, for this this book and these characters and unfortunately it's going on hiatus uh, which is not unusual for image books kind of after they finish an arc they go on hiatus uh for some books uh you know that that can be it i think typically they try to keep it around four months uh but for some books it's even longer cough copperhead cough <clears throat> uh, and w- when with this issue they kind of announced that yeah it's going to be coming back but we we kind of got to figure some stuff out before we can continue. Um, so I, I don't get, like, I don't get the feeling that they don't know what's going to happen next, but it's like, they kind of have an idea of maybe the next big plot point And it's like, okay, now how do we get there? Let's figure that out. Uh, and I'm, I'm very sad to see this book go on another break. I think that I have expressed my love uh, over and over again on this podcast and I will continue to do so. And when this book comes back, you bet your bottom dollar. I'm going to be, I'm going to be going bananas for it. Yeah. Rumble is a book that I desperately need to catch up on, but at the same time, I respect that it's one of the rare books that can throw a lot of ridiculous things at you, but always finds a way down to center it to the more human, emotionally resonant aspects of the characters, mm-hmm. which I think is it's it's truly shining point. Um, so it's cool that it's on hiatus again. I suppose that gives me plenty of time to catch up now before it does come back. So excellent. 
Excellent, excellent, excellent. Wunderbar. Wunderbar, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, David. All right. Well, now, you know, now usually comes the point where we discuss a book that we've both read, but we're, we're kind of stuck on which of these two books we should talk about. And uh, we're stuck between Trinity number two, uh, which apparently Nick hated. I didn't uh, say I hated I it. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. And uh, and Batman number nine, which launches a new storyline. You know, since we talked about Trinity number one uh, uh, last month, why don't we kind of give that book a break? We'll come back to it maybe when it's a little bit further in the storyline. And since sure, sure. since we're on a brand new arc with Batman number nine, let's let's talk a little bit about that. Batman number nine, I am suicide. Yes. Which is interesting because it's Batman assembling his own suicide squad this is to take on Bane. Mm-hmm. Who has, All of this uh, before Justice League versus Suicide Squad. Who has yeah. the, uh, whatever his name is, the weird... Psycho Pirate. Psycho Pirate. I mean, it's a, it's a great name, but it's also a terrible name. Uh, well, look at his costume. Yeah... But he's a character with, I mean, history. I mean, he was a pivotal character in Crisis on Infinite Earths who hasn't really gotten that much play since then. He kind of pops up during crises. Um, so it's interesting that he's kind of being played as, I mean, as a bit of a MacGuffin, right? That's the term. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, a plot football. Um, but um, it's kind of interesting having him in the book. I, I just, I have to say this, get this off my chest first. I love that on one hand, Tom King is writing very much a Batman book, very much set in Batman's world, but he is, I feel, effortlessly tying in the greater DC universe to act as foils, um, plot markers, and things like within the narrative itself. It's so cool. This is a Batman, a Batman superhero book where he is clearly a part of the bigger DCU. He's not just shunned in a little like aspect of Gotham that this is Batman of the DCU. So, again, just wanted to put that out there. This mm-hmm. book is great. So just yeah, just to mention, uh, this book is being written by Tom King. Uh, this wa- this issue is illustrated, so pencils and inks uh, by Michael Yannin, I believe it would be, if I'm not incorrect. Uh, June Chung on colors and Clayton Cowell uh, Cowell's on letters. I apologize to anybody's name that I messed up on that. Uh, but yeah, as Nick said, it's it's assembling of a Suicide Squad. Uh, and and the character, you know, we see actually a lot of characters in uh, in Arkham Asylum. And part of the reason he's developing a Suicide Squad is because he needs Psycho Pirate to uh, cure uh, Gotham Girl, who is still around, um, but is plagued. Claire, Claire, is her name yes, uh, who is plagued by terrible nightmares, um, beset caused upon, by Psycho Pirate, yeah, beset upon by Psycho Pirate. Uh, so we have him bringing in the ventriloquist, uh, bronze tiger. Um, I what what's that woman? I have no idea who she is. Jewel. Julie. Julie. Four counts of murder, life without parole. Uh, she's been catatonic, and some guy named Punchy. I imagine is going to be coming with them, uh, and you know at the at the very end they build up and they make you believe throughout the issue that he's going to be joined by none other than the Joker, but it turns out to be Catwoman, who is, for some reason, like in solitary in a straitjacket with a mask on, all Hannibal Lecter style. Uh, this, obviously, is a, a setup issue. They are just setting us up for the rest of the story. Um, but I think that the premise they're setting here is, is nice. Um, Tom King kind of got his 
his big introduction out of the way. I know some people haven't been loving his take on it so far. Uh, I really enjoyed the first arc, and I'm very interested to see where this one uh, where this one is going, and how Batman is, how Batman's going to handle these very this very bizarre cast of characters. Some I would say uh, C list Batman villains. Uh, really, the ventriloquist. I've never read a comic with a ventriloquist inside of it. Uh, I've only ever seen him on the animated show, so it's it's. Weird for me to to actually see that character. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table. I don't know what any of these characters are going to bring to the table. But that's Batman for you. He sees what we don't. Yeah, and just help help me understand this. So they show certain villains while they're navigating Arkham Asylum, but I can't tell if they're all participating. In this like they show the page with Kite no. Man, Mayo, Tweed, both Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Oh, right. Tweed, Tweed. And then Calendar. Uh-huh. Uh, Calendar Man. Uh, and then they also show Doe, who Jane, is... Jane Doe. Um, a, a member of a the member Legion of, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, I, Saturn Girl, I think it is. Uh-huh. Um, what? Oh, I'm just saying, no, they're, they're not all participating. These are just people they're passing by that I think are, are reaching out or calling out to, uh, you know, Batman and crew also i don't know i didn't realize they had a previous history but batman is kind of chummy with the bronze tiger yeah that was really interesting uh and he is in arkham because he believes he was like a, a secret agent but they have no record of him that that was one of the ones that i was a little more unsure about uh i mean he's in there for manslaughter 20 years without parole and he suffers from delusions of I guess delusions of grandeur is kind of what they're going with uh, that he was believes he's a member of a league of assassins and worked for all, all these different military and government agencies uh, but I I enjoy the character of bronze tiger I think it's cool to have him in the page I think this is the first time we've seen him in the rebirth story line probably in a while I, I, I like that some like that they're playing around with characters we haven't seen in a while. Yeah, um, I was just trying to read up on him real quick, but I won't get into it too much now. It'll be the arc is off to a great start. I'm very, I mean, Tom King is just a very methodical and thoughtful writer with his work. So whereas sometimes he might seem cheeky, but he he really likes playing with the the structure of comic books as much as he's telling the story i just feel like this isn't going to be your average batman arc or batman bane confrontation so i'll be i'll be very curious of course we've also got the shadow linging over us of that at some point gotham girl is supposed to kill batman and Um, and mary duke i think and mary duke uh so and, and also I mean, we didn't really talk about that opening where we we get our introduction to this to this Bane. Uh, we get to see Bane's face. Do you believe that's actually Bane? Do you think those are actually his memories? Uh, I believe that is his origin, actually. I mean, he's had a couple well, different origins well, between. I, I knew the idea was that he was born in a in a prison because of his father. He was living out his father's sentence. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't know about the whole like living in a great that's slowly filled with water over time. 
Um, not that it filled in with water. It filled in every time the tide came in. Right. Um, Which is still over But I, that may have been a, a new flourish to his origin, but I think it more or less keeps him out. I mean, it just clearly shows that this is a guy whose life has been nothing but torture and pain. You know, but at the same time, on a physical sense, is stronger for it, but in a mental sense, like, carries a ton of baggage and is not a very nice person. Um, but just the imagery of him sitting on, like, a bed of skulls, talking with the psycho pirate, like, he's just... Also, that's the idea that he's given up on Venom, that Venom was a crutch he was using to deal with his pain, uh-huh. uh, is very interesting. I'll, just be, I'll be very curious how tom king and company elevate bane as a character because i feel like his big shining moment was breaking batman's back and then he's sort of kind of just been meandering ever since sometimes he gets yeah. played as a bit more of an anti-hero mm-hmm. but, but, but uh, i'll be i'll just be curious they've actually really i feel in the comics have been kind of straying him away from venom uh for a while and i appreciate that because they're making efforts to make him a more interesting character uh, that he's not just a, a drug fueled, you know, drug fueled luchador. Uh, that he actually does have substance behind him, and if they can make it that he was using venom as a crutch, uh, and he's you know he's searching for something to fill that the you know the insanity in his mind of having grown up in a prison under torturous circumstances. You know, I'm kind of all for that. I'm intrigued by it, and I, I'm excited to get more of this Bane as as time goes on. Yeah, no, definitely. Do you have any, any further thoughts on, on Batman um, numero... I can't remember how to say mention, nine. Mention uh, Mikhail Janin for a second. Just uh, He's a guy that definitely made a big splash. I mean, he was been working no before then with like Justice League Dark, but he made a big splash on Grayson. Um, he's definitely not David Finch. And I mm-hmm. say that in a, I'm not knocking David Finch. I'm saying that in a good way. His style is very distinct from him. So it's, if you're if you were used to David Finch on the book, and suddenly you switch to Mikel Janning, it might be a bit jarring. But as a work, as far as the work goes, it's it's great. It's uh, it's impeccable. Um, so yeah, as as we've been doing on this show since the Rebirth era began, like so far, Tom King uh, hasn't disappointed us yet on the book, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Sounds good to me. I, I would say that I agree. I still have not read through Night of the Monster Men, uh, but I, I still plan on getting through that at a later date. Anyway, that's pretty much going to do it for us here on the show. And of course, before we go each and every week, we ask ourselves a very important question. You boys aren't nerds, are you? And because we are nerds, you know, every week we decide that we are. Uh, we want to spread some nerdiness to you with some recommendations. And Nick, I see you've got one lined up. Yep, and like most of my recommendations, I haven't finished it at the time of reading, but I'm pretty well into it. And I've been possessed over the last couple of days to uh, go back through Gantz, a book series, a manga series, which is still a book, Um that I started back in college and never finished, um, not out of lack of desire to, just fell off my table, so to speak. And basically, I saw happened to see that there was a CGI movie coming out, or it has just come out. And I was like, oh yeah, Gantz, like I kind of like that in college. Like it was pretty cool. I'll, I'll check it out. So I've been rereading that, trying to catch up to where I was. And it's a book that, like, I don't know how to. How do you recommend and not recommend something? 
because on one hand it's it's a book with some really cool art some very cool action sequences some really well rendered characters um and but at the same time like it's very i wouldn't even say it's gory but it's definitely violent and graphic um with you know kind of like in a game of thrones way like don't get too attached to to most characters because they will probably end up dead um and despite its its whole sort of um theme on second chances and maybe the consequences thereof i mean you know just don't don't get attached to anyone and 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 i've i've gotten a little bit farther than where i had left off back in college so now like things have happened that i'm like wow like i did not expect the book to go in this direction but it's just it's a really well realized narrative and universe uh and the characters even the ones that you see sometimes some of them might be a bit cliche um but the ones that tend to stick around a little bit longer or have room to develop you really just get a sense of like either i want this character to survive or i you know or i just find them fascinating but man i can't wait for them to die um to digress a bit for those that don't know gantz is about uh this black orb that sits in a room that summons people to the room after they've died it makes it makes copies of them actually and then tasks them with going out into the world and killing aliens and the more aliens you kill the more points you accrue and if you get an x number of points uh you will be free to return to your life no strings attached so we assume we have um haven't seen anyone or i haven't seen anyone yet so far that um has been able to accomplish this just yet so but obviously because of the nature of the work that they have to do and that most people's unwillingness to realize the situation they're in not a lot of people tend to survive um but it's got some cool uh guns and suits and stuff um and how it like and the different aliens usually take on like statues and and dinosaurs and um it's just it's just a very interesting universe to play in. Uh, and if you get a chance and you don't mind some, uh, some maybe icky subject matter, um, you will probably enjoy Gantz or Gantz or yeah. G A N T Z. All right. Well, very cool. My recommendation for this week is something that I have held off recommending because I can't recommend it this early into the season. But I just, I can't. I need to scream it from the rooftops. I need everyone in the world to be watching Westworld, which is HBO. We've talked about Westworld a little bit here on the show. Uh, I would talk about it nonstop if I had the chance. It is HBO's uh, current new show. Seems to be a hit for them, which, yay, because that means we're going to get more of it. Uh, For those who are unfamiliar with the premise, it is based on a, a movie uh, I also believe we've mentioned that before, but just a fresh reminder on everything. It is a, a futuristic theme park that is filled uh, with. Um, it, it is filled. Uh, it, it is a, a futuristic theme park in which you can spend however much time you can't afford to in a uh, old west town and the area surrounding it. And this town and the area uh, is filled with androids who are there completely at your service they are there to show you around to hang out with to drink with to fight to screw 
to what to kill whatever you want to do you can do in this constructed world and of course as the show begins it is when uh, the robots begin to slowly sort of maybe start becoming self-aware and the problems that would cause uh it is just it is wonderful the imagery uh and acting in this show is just top notch you've got some really great actors uh, you have James Marsden, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, Tandy Newton, Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, the list kind of goes on of, of people who are involved in this. And I hate that I got on the ground floor of this because I, I have to wait each week for a new episode. But it's it's actually been a long time since I've had this level of anticipation where I'm talking to people about it and speculating mm-hmm. what does this mean, what does that mean. It it is just it is so good. So get an HBO Go account somehow. Uh, fi- you know, beg and borrow from your friends. Steal if you have to. Uh, don't be afraid to beat someone up or break into their apartment and tie them up so you can watch it. Just whatever means you need to. Uh, and of course, we would never on this show never encourage you to pirate. But whatever means necessary, you need to see this show. I would say go for it. Uh, and, you know, just to say that HBO is not upset when their shows are pirated. So, you know, take that for what I'm not encouraging anything. I don't think you should pirate, but I think you should watch Westworld by any means necessary. <laughs> Whatever That's a that very means. bold and controversial statement. I will agree, though try and do it legally, that Westworld is a great show so far. Just watched the third episode last yeah. night, and yeah, watch it. Right, and of course, I would say absolutely watch the show legally if you can. Uh, so that I, I mean, that's going to do it for us, Nick. Do you have anything else you want to say to the fine folks at home? No. Well then, you can find us online at heckyeahcomics.com. You can also find us on Twitter at heckyeahcomics and send us an email, heckyeahcomics at gmail.com. And we'd ask you to also go over and leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, wherever you get this show and are able to review it. Uh, You can also find me on Twitter at Davluz, that is D-A-V-L-U-Z. You can find Nick attempting uh, to build his own android to fill his own uh, Wild West world that he will one day hope to build. And uh, folks, you can catch us here next time at the same heck yeah place on the same... Hey, how did that phrase go? Dang it. I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch up the phrase in this week. We're going to do something new. Oh... Same heck yeah time, same heck yeah channel. Until next time, goodbye. Ever.